Hello and welcome to this week's Start Spawn Podcast with me, James York, and... <coughs> oh, Ted Knutson. Sorry. Want to, want to start again, Ted? Or the, the last Start Spawn Podcast, by the sound of it, if you're on the <laughs> way out. We've been traveling, haven't we, Ted? So it's Look, we're going to make jokes because that's what we do in times of crisis. This is serious, Ted. This is people not taking this seriously enough. I tell you, not in it's, my town. So it's anyway. quite weird. Why, why don't you start telling people where we've been and then go backwards? Yeah, I mean, we went to we went to Boston this last week, which may or may not have been a good idea. We'll find out. Uh, we had a good time, but like, yeah, everyone real serious about like coronavirus and not shaking hands and stuff, which was cool. I felt that was quite a good way to kind of break the ice. Is just kind of prefer an elbow and this kind of stuff. Uh, and now we've come back to England. And it feels like no one's quite taking it seriously enough. Twitter is. Twitter's gone crazy and it's just like, oh my god, this is the worst thing in the world. Which is, it's not the best thing in the world. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> let's, let's be but, honest. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just getting a vibe from my country that they haven't quite kind of like clocked on that like very similar countries like Italy and stuff, uh, like in complete lockdown. Spain looks like it's going the same way. Well, uh, I, they haven't clocked on because the government has not done oh that, right? Like god. this is. It's probably the government's job to inform people. I mean, I, I we're going to talk about this, and for those of you who are uncomfortable with this, we'll also talk about Roger Schmidt. We'll also, yeah, we'll tuck into like some James's report from the Sloan conference, and uh, and then let's see. Oh, and we're going to talk about some of the new FIFA rules that are floating around today. Um, so why don't we we start with Sloan, which you know, obviously we went to Boston. Uh, it might be the the last major conference that you know does not get canceled for the next three to six months. Uh, we canceled our Fiorentina um, little sort of private conference that we were doing in Italy, uh, and if we didn't cancel it, obviously it would have been canceled for us. So that that's a reality of things right now. But um, you know, Sloan before we went, or like you know, just as we were sort of hopping on the on the plane. Uh, you know, no cases in the United States are very few, and and the United States has been pretty blasé about all of this as well. Uh, the organizers at Slow you know, did allow it to go through, and and partly I guess because Boston had not closed off gatherings at that time. But then, like last night, uh, what we're seeing on Twitter is many of the the large sporting events, including we're coming into NCAA tournament time, so like the conference tournaments and such are. Uh, behind closed doors, or the Ivy League actually canceled theirs and just said that you know the team that won the league, which I think was Yale this year, uh, is going to the NCAA tournament. Should that actually occur, and it has a big enough broadcasting deal that it might. Uh, so, James, have you been to Sloan Sports Analytics Conference before? No, I have not. So, what is it? Just uh, a huge conference, like thousands, thousands of people, that takes place. Uh, I think it was called the Boston Convention Center, which is this huge venue uh, above a massive volleyball tournament for children. <laughs> it, it was really sorry. I'd forgotten about that briefly. That's true. It was strange. I've like I've never seen the like of this, but it was court after court after court stretching on for many rows. <laughs> and it went on for the whole time that we were there downstairs. Uh, girls volleyball for like three solid days. Yeah, it seems to be it seems to be never ending. Everywhere you walk around Boston, there's little clumps of like volleyball teams and stuff like in restaurants and things. Anyway, no, but like I I do have uh, yes, Stone Sports Conference, lots of panels, lots of different sports uh, chats, lots of people just to talk to, um, buy a bit of lunch along the way, a poster competition with like research, and yeah, it was really interesting, it was really good, um, <clears throat> as I say, first time I've been, uh, you've been a few times, and you were on a panel even, starred on the on the soccer panel, uh, amongst uh, some other good 
good practitioners in the space. There, um, there were like five people on the panel, so star is a, a very air quotes type uh, phrase there. Oh, Ted, you know, you <laughs> you shine naturally on these these events. But um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was good. And, Welcome um, to the James York Show, everybody. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was good, and um, yeah, you know, got to, got to speak to you know lots of people and from a variety of sports who do interesting things, and just kind of like learn about like you know where where sports analytics and the challenges, the similar challenges we seem to face sport to sport to sport. I think is the best way of describing it. So I, I know one panel you settled in on was the the NHL ice hockey panel. Yeah, yeah. And and what did you think about that? What did you learn? No, it's interesting. I think my my overarching takeaway from that was how similar the issues facing the uh, ice hockey are to uh, to soccer. And it's interesting because the the history of soccer and NHL analytics are somewhat intertwined. Insofar as a lot of the early soccer analytics uh, took from hockey analytics, uh, stuff about shots and shots on target and those kind of things. Uh, then soccer kind of like raced raced off into the distance with expected goals and slowly but shortly ice hockey came back the other way and was like actually yeah maybe we can do expected goals too so they kind of overlapped in a way and now we're at a stage where everyone uh, both sports are kind of like looking hard at tracking data and seeing what they can do with it and moving forward in that direction and yeah i think it's i think it's interesting like the the uh, andrew thomas who's on that panel actually said he looked out into the audience and he said you know this this 15 people in the front couple of rows here who I know are the, the brightest and sharpest minds in the NHL that will be working on this data. And he was like, yeah, beyond that, I'm not sure how many people there are that have the, you know, are employed in a position with teams that are going to be able to uh, have the skill set to really get stuck into it. And I think we see that replicated in football to some degree with the difference between teams that are really uh, up to speed and sharp and have got, you know, competent practitioners. Uh, you know, the most obvious person I can name in that regard is Will Spearman at Liverpool, who's a really nice guy and a really sharp mind. Uh, but yeah, other teams probably haven't moved in that direction yet or are thinking about it. So yeah, in- interesting kind of uh, corollary between the two. Uh, between the two sports who've you know got got kind of relationships if you know what i mean on that note like one of the things that i found cool is uh <laughs> it feels like america is the only place where this happens but mm. uh, there's a new nhl team that's coming i think in a year and a half from now or something like mm. that uh in seattle and uh alex mandricki who was formerly of the minnesota wild is i guess leading up the director of analytics role they just hired uh, Namita, or NN Stats, uh, who was at Philadelphia for a couple of years, the Eagles, in a different sport, but she sort of you know, was always a, a hockey fan. And they also hired Danny Chu, uh, so like basically two women and, and, and a younger uh, gentleman, but all of whom are like super smart. And it, it's kind of funny to, to you know, discuss uh, briefly. I met with Namita and, and Danny uh, a bit this weekend, and we were talking about Hey, you're you're building a team. Like we've we've done this a couple times with uh, with MLS teams, and it's it's like really interesting. And 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 Amita said like the the most incredible thing about this is that we've got time. You know, like it's like. And I said, yeah, I think eighteen months is probably often further out than any of our MLS clubs that that we've worked with in the past to plan. But uh, yeah, and you know, obviously. <clears throat> They are very bright and they understand a lot of that. And and I think one of the, the learnings that, that came from Sloan, at least, or, or the reaffirmations, I guess, is that sports, regardless of being different sports, are you know, very similar. Their body's in motion. Uh, there are things that happen. You have to figure out what matters and what doesn't. 
and uh, and and most people who are practitioners in this space you know, struggle with similar things. Yeah, and you have to get the message down to the team somehow. That's something that you know gets gets nailed on time and time again, and you know is, remains the kind of uh, you know the one of the prevailing uh, you know tasks to solve within any sport. And you know that, I think yeah that was a message that came over uh, repeatedly as well with you know various different teams uh, having different success uh, in in that regard. And that's certainly the case with football. But yeah, you're right about um, you know building building departments. Um, I think. You know, if you, if you're a soccer team right now and you haven't really got analytical buy-in or you haven't really kind of like moved in that direction, then then taking a kind of like mid-term view such as that, say like right, if, hey, where do we want to where do we want to be eighteen months from now, two years from now, um, you know, and kind of building his apartment with that in view uh, is definitely the right way of doing it. And you'll still, if you nail that and you know makes make the right hires and make good decisions uh you'll still probably end up in a good place compared to a lot of clubs and a lot of organizations uh even that far down the line so yeah it's uh it's interesting to see that reaffirmed across across a variety of sports did you meet anybody cool did i meet anyone cool uh <laughs> come on name drop james uh, no nah, it's not my style i'm, I'm english Boo. You can name drop. You're the one that you. You're the one that's got the networking down to a T. I mean, learn from the master if you just follow you around. I mean, I tell you, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I'm just lucky enough that that Daryl has invited me back a couple of times, and I am actually a fan of American sports. Grew up there. Although it is odd, like I, I'll see people in the media uh, who are I know are journalists. I'm just like, I cannot remember who that person is because I haven't lived in the United States since 2007. So it's been quite a long time. And I'm further divorced, I think, from U.S. sort of sports outside of American football than I ever have been before. Uh, Just like I don't have time to pay attention to that many sports. And between soccer and now American football, like that's that's all I got. But uh, no, I did. I did have some cool meetings. Um, I I got a chance to meet Mike Leach again, who had met at a dinner uh, the year before. Um, got a chance to hang out on Jeff Ma's podcast, which is always a, a joy. Jeff and Rufus are are fun to talk to. Um, if you if you like professional gambling uh, information and stories, uh, bet the process is excellent, and uh, and it's, it's fun to see them again. Uh, let's see who else. Mina Kimes, who's one of the um, you know, sort of leading lights of ESPN, uh, she was there, and, and she's super cool and, and crazy bright and fun to talk to. Obviously has opinions about football, including the Seahawks, which are both good and bad. Um, who else was I going to mention? Uh, oh, oh yeah, I had this moment. Uh, so I wasn't actually part of this conversation. I, I kind of like dropped in on it. But uh, do you know who Richard Toller is? No. So Richard Toller is a, is a Nobel Prize winning economist, behavioral economist, um, who... I think his most famous work is is Nudge, uh, which talks about you know, interface choices and and how it impacts the behavior of the people who use those interfaces. I mean, there's there's much more to it, but I'm I'm very much shorthanding an, an entire set of uh, life work really. Um, so, th- like one of the classic stories is uh, the New York taxi uh, interface. So the taxis before uh, the credit card taxi interface existed. You know, average tips on taxis were something like, I don't know, between 8 and 12%. And then they put in this this credit card interface, and then the three options were like 20, 25, and 30% or something insane, which like, you know, people people from Europe are like, <gasps> <laughs> which I, I often agree with now. 
Um, and and as a result, the average tip moved up to something like 18% on on taxis. So like there's some people who just, you know, don't give tips or whatever. And it's really a result of the interface choices. And I really like behavioral economy, uh, economics. Like I've, I've learned a ton from them over the years, a guy named Dan Ariely and Predictably Irrational. Uh, a lot of Tim Harford's work, who I think is really great. He's uh, still got a podcast that he does with BBC, I think, more or less. Um, so I, I find it like really interesting. So so Dan is there, <clears throat> uh, not Dan, uh, Richard Thaler is there, and he's talking to uh, the in-game guy from the Baltimore Ravens. Have you ever heard of the Baltimore Ravens? Yes. Okay, why? Because uh, I've heard of them because they're an American football team. <laughs> Do you want me to say Derek works for them? Derek, our old data scientist works for them, yeah. I'm just go. lobbing them up there, and James is like, I'm not <laughs> sure what to do with this. Yeah, so so Derek Yam works there, and I just kind of, by happenstance, uh, walked into the room while, uh, I believe his name is Daniel, was talking to Richard Toller. And Daniel's just like rapid fire walking through all the game theory of the stuff that they he does up in the booth to, to help out the coaching staff. And I just like, my, the hairs on my arms stood up because it was such a cool moment where he's talking about like the game theory and how state-based effects change based on where they are, like on the, on the field uh, and the down and distance. But also not only that, but if they're pretty sure that unless things go bad, they're gonna go for it on fourth down, then that impacts the third down choice that they, they make as well. And I'm like, Oh my God! And the coaches listened to him, you know, and mm. and it was it was like one of those moments where you kind of come into things that you've thought about a bit, and you're like, you know, this could be like way cooler, and and then somebody's there, and they're like, wow, it actually is way cooler, and it's even beyond what I was thinking, and I've you know put some moderately smart thought into it. So yeah, that was like super duper exciting. Uh, I also heard from one owner of. Uh, of a team and he's like oh i love your podcast i was like really you do not listen to our podcast and he pops up his uh his, his podcast app and we're like right next to to bill simmons podcast on the ringer i was like oh i gotta tell james one would hope so we were above bill simmons's podcast but no uh, <laughs> i hey, realized hey, who hey. richard tyler is I, I saw his panel uh I yeah put, i put it together he, he did a panel with um uh, daryl's on it and a couple of others talking about what were they talking about? I can't remember what they're talking about. Why teams are slow to learn and adapt. And uh, yeah, that was quite interesting. Kind of Bill James on that panel. Kind of, and Sashi Brown. Kind of um, just a kind of overview of like, you know, the, the new theories. Of, like, you know, not even new theories now, but like, you know, uh, three-pointers going for it on fourth down, this kind of thing. And, you know, why teams have taken so much time to kind of get for that. But and yeah. still do. He did a he did a little kind of presentation to start that off, which was which was quite entertaining. I'm just looking. I'm not a Sloan page up here, and I don't know what the ninth annual Alpha Awards are, but best analytics organization was Liverpool FC. Huh. So, so well, they won something. <laughs> That's good. There you go. They're pretty Soccer. good. Uh, apparently, Soccer uh, analytics. They, they use their analytics on the pitch occasionally. Uh, James says that I'm good at networking, but I I've seen Bill James like you know in the same room a couple times. Still have failed to go introduce myself because I was a a little bit intimidated. Yeah, and no, he's apparently that, a very nice guy. That's understandable. I wanted to say hello to Daryl Morey, but every time he was in a room, they were, he was surrounded by devoted fans, and uh, so I didn't. So hello, Daryl, if you're listening. <laughs> Anything anyway. else that we should we should say about the Sloan Sports Analytics? Uh, so Boston's oh, nice place. Hang nice on. place. I went to the Celtics game. That was good. Ah, cool. Yeah, Boston actually is quite nice, and we had very different weather. I did want to mention uh, longtime Stats Bomb contributor Will Gerpenar Morgan. Um, did you go to? So there was a problem in scheduling, and Will's 
paper was at the same time as yeah, my I panel. Was, I was going to. Who did you choose, James? No, I was going to. I went to yours. Choose? I thought I, my, my plan was <laughs> to go to yours and then sneak out and um, and go to Will's halfway through. However, Shagul, our, our, our chief sales guy, uh, kind of like corralled me towards the front, you know, to kind of cheerlead you a little bit. So then I was stuck at the front and it would have been like, oh, if I sneak out, it's going to be way too obvious. So, uh, <laughs> so I ended up stuck listening to you for an hour. So. My my panel was great, like, and that's that largely based good. on the the other people that were on it. Uh, Vosa was there from from IX, and she was at our conference, uh, and uh, Tyler Heaps uh, of USSF, and he's won a World Cup with the Women's World Cup recently. These are all online, aren't they? These these com- these panels, or they were broadcast, I believe. So. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. It will eventually get up on YouTube. So, so yeah, if you do, check do it out. check them out. And Devin Bluler. Don't, don't let me forget Devin, who's like an OG from the analytics group and has been doing this for a very long time. He's now in his sixth year, which is insane to me. His sixth year at Toronto FC. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's yeah, long-term, isn't it? Um, what else was I going to say? Don't think it was anything else. It was good. It was a good trip. And now we're all uh, quarantined in our homes, which is good, kind of. What else are we going to talk about, Ted? So things that you're interested in, things that you like. Roa Schmidt getting employed is one of those. You've you've endorsed him as a as a good as a good pick for many a year, and he's had a bit of a quiet time since coming out of China. hasn't picked up a job, and now he's gone to PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, that's is, a really interesting one. It he's is. Had, he's had plenty of opportunities to choose other jobs, and PSV are 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 not like the biggest name among them. But they do. They have an academy that's great. Like they turn out, you know, excellent players pretty much every single year. And you know, it's in it's in the Netherlands. You know, it's not that far from his home. I think so. Like that's also a consideration as opposed to China, which is far from pretty much everyone's home. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I mean, they they did a hell of a job wooing him uh, to come play or to come coach for them. Uh, they're what forty nine points, um, seven points back of the. Uh, of the Champions League spots with, I think, oh yeah, the, the other three teams above have, have a game in hand. But I think this might, you know, this is more of a long-term thing. They're not looking to just fix the season. They're looking to, to stabilize and hopefully bounce back up to competing with Ajax every year. Azad Alkmaar are, you know, exactly level on points and, and behind on goal difference with Ajax this season, which is actually, you know, really unusual and pretty exciting. Uh, so yeah, Ajax with 56, Azad 56 Feyenoord who have been a spectacular mess but on a on a ferocious run right now at 50 and then Eindhoven at 49. Yeah, I mean it's I th- I think it's kind of it's almost like it's almost like a no lose uh kind of like appointment in in so far as like risk and stuff because they haven't had a good year this year. It shouldn't realistically be hard to point them upwards next year. And then I I think <clears throat> I don't know. I think we got may have slightly different opinions on this, but I feel like you know if if uh, if if he does well here, then he then he could easily be in line for like you know absolute top tier jobs in the future. And you know maybe maybe that's not the case right now, having spent some time out and spent some time in China. Maybe he's not interested in that. I don't know. But like it's it's just it's just the kind of like right level of job to to just kind of point yourself in the right direction and uh, and uh, you know look really quite. Um, you could you could just benefit very well from like just reawakening this slightly sleeping giant so uh, yeah i think that's true i think that you know as we both know psv have been in the champions league knockout rounds right or no spurs knocked them out at at the end of it last year right 
Uh, they were in the group stages, but yeah, I've, yeah. yeah, yeah. I so mean, they're, they're right on right on the cusp. Um, you know, they they do have some some pretty good talent that come in. They, you know, I think they're reasonably well financially managed too. Uh, I think Schmidt, you know, had good offers on the table. Um, he definitely learned to coach differently in China, and part of that is like a resource thing. Like you only have so many you know elite players in your group. You've got to figure out how to get results beyond the talent that that you you know you want to develop and and china actually has i think you know forced him to adapt a lot of his tactical stuff so it'll, it'll be interesting i think he's a better coach because of it he's uh yeah i don't know what the deal i haven't talked to him um in, in quite well but i'm i'm excited to see what happens and it's good to see him back because he's got a pretty particular style and it'll be it'll be fun to see what that does in the dutch league Mm. Yeah, I mean this. This is it. You just. I just feel like it, it should should work. This should work. It's, you know, there's they've got some young talent there. They they should be able to, uh, if not this season, certainly next season, kind of uh, regroup a little and um, you know, kind of get back into kind of title contention, which they've slightly slipped off the pace of this season. So yeah, interesting interesting move. Uh, this just this morning that's gone in. Um, where else can we move here? You wanted to talk about FIFA rules because this just—I don't know if this just tickled you or, or you, <laughs> whether you whether you're remotely serious about these ideas. But they, these kind of floated by last week, and we kind of saw them to to a mixed response. I have some concerns about a few of these, <laughs> and I wanted to express them in detail with some amount of logic and possibly a little bit of fury. Well, let's 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 um, let's let's quickly list what what I'm hearing. I mean, this is from a from an article. That came out last week uh, a kick kick in from the sideline you're supposed to throw in self passing on free kick so you can just kind of dribble it off time penalties in some way so re- give a ref alternative to giving a card unlimited substitutions and then kind of pure playing time which people think means clops stoppages and maybe a different kind of i don't know 60 minutes a game or whatever it might be uh, so those are the five that all got kind of got um got thrown around last week and I read an article this morning that seemed to think that at some level in Holland they might test some of these things and see, see well some of them already have right some of have the they? lower league stuff like Michiel de Hoog uh, right oh, I didn't rise up before and uh, so kick in from the sideline as opposed to a throw in now here's my, my thought if you do both it's fine but the danger of this is that you have free kicks that happen constantly right and and are they slow if they're slow they're like that's bad for the game like you want mm. things to, to speed up the game. You don't want it to, to go slower. You don't want teams that are ahead to bleed the clock more in different ways. Like one of the really frustrating ways as a fan is that, you know, you're in a knockout or something like that in the Champions League. Barcelona have a lead and it's just all tactical fouls and all ball out of play. And every time the ball comes back, it takes like 45 seconds to come back in. Like that's a mess, right? That's a, uh, no, that's, also, a, that's a good point. Like if if you know if 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 essentially they become versions of free kicks. I don't know if it, you know is it just going to be dribbling or can you actually, you know, um, if it, if it's just dribbling and you can just bring it back into open play, then that's and you have to pass it. That's fine. But if you get to set up and like t- turns it into a free kick, I don't like that. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't want to get rid of throw-ins. Is my big thing because I think throw-ins <laughs> no. are, are actually. <laughs> broken in lots of different ways and nobody exploits them so the people that that develop this like i have a sense that you know they're missing the imagination of, of how you can exploit throw-ins like to the maximum so like i don't want it to be instead of can now I... if you have you have to have a 10 yard um you know space from the the sideline or whatever like you would for for free kicks like that also really dramatically changes the rules 
so again, like if say you have a, a set window of time, only so many seconds, you have to create space. Like it's interesting, but I am pretty scared of the unintended ramifications of that one. I think yeah, I think that's 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 probably the, the main thought I've got about uh, all of them. Uh, well, sorry, the main thought I've got about all of them is like some of them are interesting, but from a data set perspective, don't <laughs> touch anything. Don't change. <laughs> James anything. is terrified of like breaking all of the models. Here. Don't do that. Just don't change things. It's, we've got a game. That's what it is. We're trying to try, out here trying to collect big enough samples to look at things, and you're going to change it all. Ah, don't don't you dare. Self passes on free kicks. That's all right, isn't it? I like this one. Just because it, it keeps the game moving and it will it will enable people to exploit. Uh, teams that are trying to trying to waste time and and things like that. You can, I can see a situation like someone 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 fouls someone for a free kick. The refs are just putting his card out. The guy runs off with it, and get, same player fouls him again. He gets sent off. You know, it could, it could be quite chaotic at times. Uh, I've seen that happen. Like not very often, but <laughs> no, I, yeah, I definitely yeah. have seen that. But yeah, it's a, that kind of thing might might be prevalent in the first few weeks if they if they did this one. I think that one's okay. They're just you know things things that mean that the game keeps flowing and and that there's essentially more open but certainly i mean you know your teams are going to set up to kind of put the ball in the box high at the pitch and that's fine that's part of the game that's you know part of attacking and, and you know you're, you're not got a problem with that but it's definitely when it's in your own half and you know it's a free kick and well i've got the ball i'm just going to start moving with it and i mean it's not much different from just passing the ball to be honest but you know anyth- anything that kind of like adds to fluidity or gives an option of fluidity uh, within open play i think is is probably fine yeah i think the bulk of the time this is a positive all right now i'm going to hold back my opinion at first because this one is slightly more complicated than possibly more controversial time penalties similar to rugby and can give refs an alternative to giving a card. So like say a five minute or 10 minute sin bin, you know, I'm, I'm used to American hockey. You know, you you get a bad penalty, you go sit for a while. How do you feel about this one? I don't think I'd like it. I think I've got, um, I've got more, I've got like broader ideas about like sendings off. You know, sometimes you just get like a clunky tackle and you get sent like you clunky tackle in the first minute of a game. And you're sent yeah. off, so you've missed the whole game, and then you get a three-game ban on top of it. So you end up missing four games, and so things, the penalty stuff the like penalty that is it, often it, seemed outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think, I think before we go into this, I think like uh, some kind of like, uh, like thinking about like how how those kind of like uh, card card kind of penalties and suspensions would perhaps be the way that perhaps be the way I'd I'd go on this. Um, I don't, I don't think I like it. Um, I don't know, but th- at the same time, I think there's this yellow and red cars in and, in and of itself are a little bit like you see plenty of instances where it's like it's that's a yellow card and it doesn't get given, and sometimes yeah, you know, harshly given, and and it's a bit inconsistent. Or if it's the second yellow and it doesn't get given, these kind of things, you know, it's people, too it's too binary. And, yeah, and, and the game is the game as a whole has problems with this. There's no ratchets, like there's no degrees that you can do mm. things right. You have to do things in big chunks. So the second yellow is a very big chunk. Like a full-on red is a very big chunk, yeah. and a penalty itself yeah. is a very big chunk, right? Yeah. So for sure. looking at things that change how um, the degrees of penalization, 
I think is actually a positive. Now, the question is the degree, right? Like, two minutes does nothing. Like, mm-hmm. if you get a two-minute penalty, like, that's... Yeah. It's not you even get a two-minute penalty, time. you immediately, like, install a substitution and take up the two minutes and boot it out of play. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, like, it's, it's right, like back immediately we not worth everybody's <laughs> time. So, like, you know, anywhere from five to 30 minutes, I think, is intriguing. Like, the five to 15 to 30 like, that's all right. But, you know, like, what do you get for a 30? Well, like, the, the classic dog so that, you know, it's like, oh, come on, really? Like, it doesn't feel like it's quite fair. It's easy for the ref to find the right ratchet on penalization there. So I think that looking at the game in these ways is not necessarily a bad thing. And testing it out is, is also not yeah, a bad thing. Yeah, I think if you were designing this, uh, designing football from scratch, you'd probably, you'd probably have quite a lot of this kind of stuff in there. And it's I can pretty- see Bobby Gardner being very angry all of a sudden because much like you, he's like, the rules are fine. Just leave the rules alone because he he had that impression from like Daryl Morey. Uh, Bobby's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> he's been around the space. He's like, just leave it alone. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> right, what else have we got? <laughs> Unlimited substitutions. This is a fucking nightmare. Do this not is do horrible. This. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just see, I can just see this. Like, you know, Jose Mourinho. He's up 1-0 on the third minute. There are now 10 defenders on the pitch. It's it's just <laughs> awful. It's not even just the it's that it's it ruins the game. So there there's an element. Oh, so man. so in in the United States, uh, college hockey or university hockey has unlimited subs. They have rolling subs, is what they're mm. called. This is not okay. Like what it does is it breaks the game into a, a very chippy, super physical style of football. And and fatigue is a thing, you know. And people have to conserve themselves. And if you don't have to conserve yourself, it like completely yeah, 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 changes yeah, yeah. the game. This is bad. Don't do not do this. Yeah, this it's just it just sounds like chaos. And it will just it, the thing is it will people just strategize with it and make weird things happen. And we already uh, hate the tactical foul. So like unlimited subs is is just inherently like a degree beyond this because it allows you to do more tactical fouls and more physical play, and that that takes some of the the element away from the skill players, which is part of the reason why we love the game. So yeah, dude, like this is really bad. We'll move on to that. Pure playing time now. So this is like you know sixty minutes of ball and play time. I remember Colin wrote like wrote an article for the site some years ago, and basically kind of talking about how how little time there were in in certain games. And it's it's you know it's an area that people have, have hit on a, a few times over the years. And I think his general conclusion was that like for the interests of equity and fairness, that potentially this was something to be looked at i don't think i like it i don't i mean i can see the argument for it and i can see it's quite a strong argument because you know if you if you have like a fixed amount of playing time for every game then it's it kind of takes out the whole idea of time wasting that said i think you will end up extending the game the breaks in between when the clock stopped you know you're gonna you're gonna end up with ad breaks you're gonna end up with um i think you know the kind of unintentional consequences of this will actually kind of deter from the game so you'll end up with our breaks you'll end up with kind of you'll end up with time wasting because there's no time to waste and it'll be quite hard for a referee to kind of like keep things keep things moving along so although i appreciate that the kind of the current 90 minute situation with with far too few minutes added on at the end and you know var kind of interrupting and not really being accounted for adequately is is not great um i just i just fear for the kind of the the other side of this and don't think it will kind of come out as a as a better uh, a better spectacle but i you know, i may be wrong that's that's a, that's an instinctive take really and i um I, I think that's that's a fair concern but i think this is one that you can test out via experimentation so like in in sort of sub um 
competitions or ones that are not you know fully sanctioned matches or whatever you can actually test that on and out and see how it goes see how clean you can make it because you know most sports actually ball out of play is is like natural right like that actually happens uh, football is, is one of the the particularly unusual ones i guess i guess european ones in, in the strictest sense are more likely to be this way um i do agree with unintended consequences uh, i'm not sure it's fully necessary but i do think that you know taking away some of the the fair cheatiness of the game, which is definitely involved with time wasting, uh, is is not a bad plan. So of these five, right, kicking from the sideline is probably okay as long as you also let people throw in. Uh, self passes on free kicks we think are good. Time penalties we're scared of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unlimited substitutions is terrible. Like don't do that. And then pure playing time, we have like a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we would need to see a lot more data and and try, sort of build a comfort level around this. Is that, that is that fair? Yeah, I think that's roughly fair. Yeah, I mean, it's again, I emphasize, I would do none of these things if I was given carte blanche with the, with the rules. I would do none of them. Although, I again, I can understand why people do want to do. Something. But James, you're you're known as an agent of change. You're, you're one of those <laughs> yeah, people that back loves passes dramatic are still legal in my change. world. But it's all right. Pick it up, keeps. It's funny. Watch old games with back passes. Like, what the hell is this? Back and yeah. forth it goes. So it's yeah, awful. I mean, that, that's the thing. Football, football has got a precedent for you know making making positive changes over the years. Um, it, I guess as the game gets ever faster, like the idea around kind of like stoppages is is interesting because. Um, you know, like I, I'm not. I'm not saying all stoppages are you know legitimately like oh everyone's slowing things down to slow things down. Quite often, I think uh, t- teams kind of like readjust, reorganise for you know tactical reasons and for just you know getting a breather. Like you know, I'm not going to rush and take this throw in unless you're chasing the game. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of thing. So yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be. I wonder how much of football is already kind of like self organises into a into a stop start stop start kind of format because it does. Um, and you know you will have like a minute or two's break sometimes for a free kick or you know a minute between throw-ins and this, these kind of things. So it might not actually be that different if well, you know if you actually formalise that. Um, yeah, again, like you said a moment ago, testing that will be the proof will be in the pudding, so to speak. All right. So we kind of kick this down down the, the the line, I guess. But what do you think sporting endeavours should do? about the coronavirus stuff for right now do you have any opinions on what makes sense and i i you know if you don't have if you haven't put a lot of thought in this like just um, tell me well no no i i i think really uh it, basically we should just stop things for like at least i don't know two or three weeks and then re- reevaluate. um it's it's Which just, postpones it into the into the summertime, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like solve, solving this down the line, and what you do, whether you give out titles and whether you like complete season and all this kind of thing, is um, is not easy to, easy to resolve. But I just think it's it's, it's a, of minor importance compared to the general kind of health of the population right now. Um, I just think that you know we'll be sat here in two weeks and be like, oh, geez, we should have should have done something about that a couple of weeks ago. And then it, I, I and think that's probably true, despite the fact that I would be somewhat upset because uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen Spurs injury crisis at the moment, <laughs> but, um, you know, Arsenal are one point behind them with a game in hand. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to take advantage of that if possible. But, you know, the health and safety of the entire human population is probably a little more important than that. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, 
Yeah, we could. We, I've got Spurs on. Spurs in a hole is the thing on my list that we can very briefly hit on. But. I, I I told James like Spurs in a hole like just immediately makes me think of that Mick McCarthy <laughs> gif. <laughs> <laughs> he's like one in the hole and he gets like a big eyebrow anyway if you've never seen that it was uh quite entertaining about 10 years ago or so yeah so <laughs> so yeah Spurs, Spurs are in a hole uh they do have lots of injuries the results have gone to shit and their performances have gone to shit and but they have an iconic manager that is known for his positivity and dragging his teams out of holes it was, an, it was a quite uh, little um, interview snippet I saw earlier. There was some journalist going up to him after his press conference saying, it's going to be all right, you know. It's going to be like, what the hell is it? Jose just looks at him like, okay, mate, thanks for that. Uh, anyway, yeah, so they knocked out the Champions Duncan? League. They're eighth, was it Duncan? Come on, it was league. Duncan, right? We could, yeah, probably. We could we could cancel the whole league and it would probably be, it would probably save a few people's uh, sanity, uh, not least... No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you for not getting a suit, James. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it is an inter- interesting spot with regards to sports, uh, sports and and decisions, and just you know groups and get-togethers. Like we went to Sloan last week. I swear, if it was on this week, it would have been cancelled. Oh um, yeah, there's no chance. And, I agree. You know, if we went there, it everyone was very cognizant of the, like the risks lots of elbow bumps lots of you know kind of like uh, <laughs> separated greetings kind of thing and um lots of very smart people in attendance who are quite well aware of probabilities <laughs> yeah and that's yeah that I mean that's it i've watched an interview with, with a, like a, a guy a, a very clued up kind of like pandemic researcher last night and he was just like well you know this you can predict these things and this is kind of panning out as we predicted and it's like, right, well, I'm not going to take this too lightly then. Also, yeah. don't panic. But yeah, oh man, it's it's what a what a downhearted way to go through the end of this podcast. I mean, it's it's not fun, is it? I wish it was. I wish things. So were here's here's a an interesting research, an interesting research element that is coming out of all of this. Uh, in most sports, we don't really understand like home field advantage, like what what comes from home field advantage, like what um, mm. why is there one. And we've seen, you know, home field advantage sort of deteriorate over time in American sports where replay is more prevalent and stuff like that. Um, we we don't have a good understanding. And I, as somebody who's been inside of gambling entities, like we still don't have a great understanding of why home field exists, aside from knowing that it is an impact, because if you don't correct for it in your models, your models go insane. What is uh, it about 0.4 of a goal, isn't it? It depends on the league. It depends okay. on altitude. Uh, altitude is kind of always a, a yeah, home yeah. field element. Uh, but like this will be like the first time in, in history where we might have significant amounts of games played behind closed doors. And if you're still gambling on these, you're like, I don't really know what to do with that. And if you're... <laughs> if this, you're this is like week one of the season where like everyone's chomping at the bit to get some action. And it's like, yeah, but I... Mm. I don't know as much as maybe I will do later, but I still want to still want to get involved. Like, are crowds an impact? I, I I saw some of the the clips from a match over the weekend in Italy where there were no no fans, and you could just literally hear the players talk all the time. Right, mm-hmm. call for the ball. It's, it's very odd and, and unusual. And you know, should should things go forward, you know, try and finish the season behind closed doors, and then Euros goes and behind closed doors, it'd be just a very surreal experience. And I don't know that there is a good answer, to be honest with you. Um, all I can say is, you know, everybody you know, do take this moderately seriously. Uh, don't panic, but there, there's good advice out there to follow, uh, including the hand-washing elements, but also including, you know, 
self-segregation, especially, you know, from older populations and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, be safe. That's that's really all we can say. Uh, I don't have much else to, to add, but I felt like, you know, we should talk at least a little bit about it because it's impacting the entire sporting world. Yeah, and, no, totally. uh, it's not going to go away that soon. It would be hugely optimistic to say that we'll see the back of this in even, you know, three months' time. Like, I think know, it's going to take a while. What, what's going to happen next? Because this is the thing, you know, if everything heats up and that affects it, you know, I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not going to stand there going, well, I've, I've, I know this. Fucking idiot, honestly. But like, you know, it's <laughs> well. At Statsbomb, as of last night, we we closed our bath office. Um, you know, people that needed to attend, they can. Uh, so like, we we leave a lot of flexibility. But I felt like I didn't want people forced to travel in public transportation or forced to gather in in spaces if they they didn't want to. And and so we're trying to do little bits to limit it because we are taking it seriously. Yeah, and we can review it as we go along. That's the thing, you know, week by week, yep. we'll understand what the situation is, and you know, hopefully make smart decisions. Anyway, let's hope that let's hope that there's, there's um, I don't know. Kind of on the one hand, let's hope sport carries on and we can all watch it and talk about it. On the other hand, maybe let's just take time out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm torn. <laughs> I would love to have a distraction and, and <laughs> yeah. be able to pay attention to it. But oh my god, you're going to make me watch films idea. now, aren't you? If there's no sport. <laughs> <laughs> James, See, that's the upside. You've got no excuse not to watch films now because all the sport got cancelled. Oh my god. Anyway, on that and on that note, <laughs> I can't find a film to watch. All right, <laughs> thanks all. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.